I mean, technology is what we do, but it's the reason why we do it is about people. Mm. And I love people. I do like my own company, but I absolutely love being around people, inspiring people, helping people in any which way I can. Hi, and welcome to the North Edge Capital podcast, Beyond the Capital. I'm Lucy Mills, Director, Head of Business Transformation, and your host for this series. At North Edge, building better businesses isn't just about providing capital. It's about building open and honest relationships, creating responsible businesses, driving value through collaboration, engagement and partnership, and providing ongoing support. But we wouldn't be able to achieve any of that without the great people we have in our business, our portfolio and our network. And in this series, we will be speaking to those people to find out more about their stories, experiences and how they have worked to build better businesses. Today, we're joined by Hayley Roberts, Chief Exec at portfolio company Distology. Welcome. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Um, We are going to get straight into it. So the first question we always ask on Beyond the Capital is for you to tell us a little bit about your background and how have you got to the role that you're in today? Ooh, how long have you got? (laughs) It's a long story. We've Um, got form, haven't we, for doing long podcasts, so it's okay. Yeah, I know. I know these are shaky bit of 30 minutes, but that's that's just literally the last year. (laughs) Um, So I will keep it short. So my background is um, probably like everybody's varied. I think the common denominator is that I've always been in sales type roles. So um, I was going to be a barrister. In fact, I was going to be an actress. Nice. This is what I was going to do. Went to Manchester Youth Theatre when I was 16, 17. Um, Loved that. Um, And uh, I think I was advised at the time by my parents, I think you need a little bit of a backup career just in case it didn't happen. Um, which was quite crushing at the time. <laughs> what do you mean it's not going to happen? Of course it is, I'm marvellous. Um, but uh, so then I thought, ah, I know what I'll do. I will become a barrister because that's what I was told was a bit like being on the stage. And of course it's law. Right. And everybody listens to the fact that, you know, you've got to have a, a traditional career route. So accounting or law or medicine, right? Revered professions. So I thought, brilliant. I can see myself playing that part, right? Uh, unfortunately, I had to study hard to become said barrister. <laughs> and uh, whilst I did, to a point, I didn't get the A-levels I needed. Uh, I think I needed an A and two Bs and I got a C and two Ds, something like that. So I crashed and burned, <laughs> I'm afraid. Knocked off my pedestal. Um, and had, went through clearing and I thought, oh, what do I do? So I ended up doing business studies at uh, De Montford University. And, um, and I loved it, actually, because it was really varied. There was law in there, of course, employment law, but um, but it was really varied, and I quite liked the strategy side of it and all that kind of stuff. And wouldn't it be great if I now said, and then I was in business for the rest of the time, and now I just set up the strategy, boom. Uh, <laughs> but it wasn't like that, I'm afraid. <laughs> um, so I graduated in business, um, had a couple of options uh, when I graduated, because you literally apply for everything, don't you, when you graduate, especially yep. very broad subject you could be anything and do anything you're a graduate for god's sake you deserve something amazing and uh, and i thought right i'll do uh, i'll go for something with graduate in the title but large companies small companies um general business stuff so i had an option of working for ibm uh, on the graduate scheme mm-hmm. or a toiletries company yes yeah i see where this is going yeah you see where this is going can't you since i own and run a tech business um where do you think i went I think knowing you, you went to the toiletries company. Well, I certainly did. I certainly did. Um, Not just because of the free stuff, though, Lucy. We didn't like free stuff. But because I didn't feel like I could make a difference in a tech business. I didn't think I had the right skill set. And when I went to see these people, and this was a long time ago now, by the way, um, they seemed quite grey and uninspiring. And it was all very robotic and technical and 
just dull. And I wanted to make a difference really, really quickly. So straight out the gate, I wanted to be brilliant at everything, right? As we all do, uh, before knowing that actually we have to make quite a lot of mistakes before we become even close to brilliant. <laughs> um, so I chose the Toiletries business because I could conceptualise the route to market. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was a factory, there's loads of development. Um, you just got it, right? You, you got the, the from the conception to launch of product. Um, and that was great. And I learned a lot there on project management and, and whatever. And, and when then... To, to fast forward, I then went and, and got a sales marketing job in a in a publishing business, working on various different titles on circulation figures and mm-hmm. direct marketing. And then I, and in between all this time, obviously having children, etc. And um, and then I went and was a headhunter for quite a few years, and uh, working outside of the UK uh, on various different projects, but they were sort of vice president, senior vice president roles in large corporations. So mostly moving people from different European countries around yeah. and actually set up the Dell team in Moscow. Um, and that was the closest I got to technology at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I took some a little bit of time out when I had my third, just not long after I had my third child, um, juggling career and being a mum and trying to be brilliant is, you know, you're going to fail, right? So I took a bit of time out um, and I thought, well, I'll start something new because I'm never frightened of a challenge. Started something new. And um, just went for a job, um, which was a distribution company uh, in technology, in cybersecurity. Um, I got the job. They needed sort of a second-in-command general manager, but starting part-time, whatever. I thought, well, I could apply myself on all of these bases. So I did, and that's kind of where my tech journey started, really. And, um, and that business got bought, um, and I was really enjoying that. So I wasn't working part-time then. As two, two months into the part-time role, went full-time. Yeah. Lots to do. <laughs> changes to make um started to look at this new cyber technology coming in we were predominantly at that time a Symantec security business and um, so 99% of what we did there that company was, was Symantec but there was some really interesting technology mm. and selling through the channel which is almost like a different world compared to how other businesses run but very um very obvious when you work in technology we're yep. running a bit like the wholesale uh, retail scenario and, uh, and I learned a lot about that and that was great and I loved what I did there but um, we were bought by a very large organisation so my wings became very clipped so I was just starting to learn and take risks and develop and, and grow things and I was suddenly not allowed to do all of that stuff I couldn't replace heads I couldn't do those things so um, I went off to a um, software security manufacturer what we call a vendor and I grew their business um, quite considerably in a short space of time in 18 months and um, and I thought I love doing this mm. but I was traveling back and forward to Hampshire every week <laughs> and I thought I'd really like to do this with other technology mm. um, so I approached the person who sold the business to um, to the, the, the previously not in a previous company and uh, and uh, he put in some money and we we started Dystology so that was 2015 in anger and and here we are today amazing so before we grill you a little more on you tell us about Dystology okay so Dystology is it's we're known as a value-added distributor okay so ultimately what a distributor does within the software world is looks at new technologies, brings them on board, sells them through the reseller channel, uh, of which there are thousands in the UK. There are probably about 8,000 security resellers alone, um, and there are many different ilks, um, into business end users. Okay, So if you're a large organisation, such as a large tier one bank, you don't just 
go on the internet and find the solution you need. You work through a provider, a supplier, uh, and they, they are very different animals, but that's what we call the, the reseller network, the channel. Um, and often in those those companies will source these products from distributors, um, whether that's re- reactively or sold to by distributors proactively, and that's mm-hmm. that's what we do more of. So the biggest task that you have on your hands with any security software or software generally is that there are thousands and thousands of companies every year that set up new software businesses. Um, you know, this is where the big investment's going at the moment. The world is becoming more and more technical. Every day we wake up, we're relying more on a piece of technology, right, to help us through our day. So cybersecurity is is almost um, at the forefront of things now because rather than, oh, God, I've created a vulnerability, quick, let's find something to patch it. Now it's like I'm making something new for business continuity. We need to think about security as we grow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's, it's different. So we as a distributor actually look more at the due diligence of new software technologies and cyber, uh, cloud-based technologies, SaaS or software as a service, which is a subscription model now. Um, and we're looking at many different aspects. So it's not just credibility of technology. It's also the people, the vision, mm. all that kind of stuff. And we provide technical and commercial vendor quality individuals um so we get really involved in our in our software vendors uh, as partners and um and then we also have a, a rich marketing team we help the channel the reseller network actively proactively sell that out to their customer base but not just here's a bit of this do you want a bit of that kind of scenario but actually here's a solution with yeah. a few technologies in a, in a specialism that makes sense for you to actually benefit your customers and have richer business discussions about their business, technical business continuity and mm. business performance. Mm. And that's what we do. Exciting. We'll come back to Distology okay. in a little Good. bit to talk about all the exciting things that you are on with at the moment. But I guess back to you, one of the questions that we always ask is what has driven and motivated you throughout your career and also what is the biggest lesson you've learned on your way I really hate this question (laughs) because I just get my head down and keep moving forward and I I think a lot of people will probably say that about themselves um I'm not I've never been that conscious of what's driven me other than the fact that I want to make a difference uh I'm very excitable I want to get excited about things and if something I feel I can make a difference in something and and create better value. It doesn't mm. matter what it was. I mean, I you know, I I looking back and I'm doing this more and more because people ask me this question all the time. Thanks, Lucy, but this, <laughs> it really stumps me. Um, so now you have to look back and go, oh, I'm going to be my own amateur psychologist and look at who I was as a child and whether this was all inherent in me. But actually, I think I just was very used to change. I think because I had to change. I was thrown into the panic scenario, I've got to go through clearing, didn't get my A-levels, what do I do now? But then so many times in my life I've been thrown into, oh no, what do I do now? Mm. And, and you just learn to make the best of literally everything. And mm. I think once you realise that that's, that becomes a skill set, you want to apply it better. Mm. You know, I mean, technology is what we do, but it's the reason why we do it is about people. Mm. And I love people. I do like my own company, but I absolutely love being around people, inspiring people, helping people in any which way I can. Mm. Uh, we re- recently went on holiday, actually. <laughs> God, this is quite an embarrassing story. But it's this is exactly how I roll, right? So this this poor waiter, we're in, in Dubai, uh, really expensive, really um, opulent. This, this waiter was there, and he was from Kazakhstan, and he looked about 12, bless him. And he and I said, oh, we were asking where he's from and all that. And he was bringing his drinks. 
And he said, oh, I'm, I'm Kazakhstan and, and, uh, and, I, and I've, I've just had a little boy, but I've not seen him yet. He literally just had a baby and he can't get home. And we go, oh, and I went, I've got, to, I've got to get him home. I've got to get him home to see his child. This is terrible. <laughs> I've got to pay. I've got to pay for him. And, <laughs> and my husband was trying to calm me down. It's fine. It's absolutely fine. I'm sure I'll be fine. Do you want me to talk to your manager? How do you want me to handle this? Do you want some money? And it's just, and, and that's a slight extreme example, but I just want, people to, to feel like they can do anything they possibly put their mind to and that everything's fair and all that good stuff so um, so I think that's what drives me you know I I, I I don't what doesn't drive me is having to be liked by everyone because you never will be yeah but what does drive me is knowing that I have made made somebody somewhere happier or better or something <laughs> you know that's positive it's a move in the right direction yeah um, and that's whether that's a business a prospect. I mean, I love helping new businesses. Um, you know, and and you know, I'm no way a guru on anything, but because you go through things, you're able to, you know, extol your virtues of what happened and all that kind of uh, you know stuff. So, so that's what drives me. Mm-hmm. What was the second part of the question? See, I, I lose track. <laughs> the biggest lesson you've learned. Oh gosh. Okay. So my, the thing that always comes out of my mouth um, is every day is a school day. I think the lesson I've learned through all of the mistakes I've made is you have to be authentic in every decision that you make and be true to your own gut feeling because you do learn to train it um and I won't tell you why because there are so many lessons it's not fair to call out those specific things because I don't believe that there's any one lesson Mm. that you learn to get to a good place I think there's a a myriad of different lessons Mm. just like making a real difference isn't one big gesture it's lots and lots of little gestures. So I think that, you know, the whole, yeah, it's, 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 it's a myriad of different mistakes that I've made. But the lessons, the, the one lesson is please just be authentic. Yeah. Because you can't be anything else other than yourself. Yeah. And I remember my grandpa saying to me once, you know, the hardest thing you'll ever learn to be in life is yourself. And I thought, what a stupid thing to say. I was 10 at the time, by the way. Um, <laughs> don't be silly. <laughs> Absolutely fine. <laughs> But you have to, because actually as you go through life, you try you try to please, you try to fit into different pigeonholes, you try to conform to certain societal norms. Well, actually, the best thing you can do is just be you and be happy with you. Yeah. And that's a real toughie, right? That's probably the biggest challenge as much as it is the biggest lesson. Yeah. And wise words from Grandpa as well. Mm, thanks so much. So um, I know there's been lots of really exciting developments at histology over the last 12 months and there's lots more to come so talk to us about the biggest challenges that you've had over the last 12 months the biggest successes that you've had and some of the exciting stuff that we can expect to see from Distology over the next few months and years challenges successes and exciting see they're all positive right mm. challenges might not be but I, I see them as positive so um I'm going to talk about the all-in-one dump because I'm yeah. not very good because literally, I could, as you know, I could talk for hours about astrology. So um, we've changed massively in the last few years. I mean, we're only seven years in, really, and we have changed every single year. In fact, latterly, the last two years, we've changed every six months mm. exponentially. Um, a lot of that's to do with the people because as you grow, when you start something, you start with who you need, not who you want. And then as you grow... You suddenly think, oh, I can afford who I actually want here, not just I need to plug a gap. Mm. Um, and I was always concerned in the beginning that I had to have people. When I've got more people in the business, then it made me feel like I had a, <laughs> I had a company 
that meant something. Um, but actually, it's the quality of people, not mm-hmm. the quantity. So maybe one for the lessons learned. But um, the challenges, therefore, are always going to be about people because there is no such thing as a job for life anymore. Uh, and, and there shouldn't be, right? There shouldn't be. I would never stop anybody wanting to achieve their own personal goals and career goals, which should be matching, by the way. So I think that the challenges that will always be people, but the challenges have also been COVID. Of course, we can't ignore yeah. that. Technology has been brilliant for COVID, right? Absolutely brilliant. The market has, has done well. It hasn't jumped off a scale, by the way, because I still think people are reticent to... Um, purchase things that they perhaps would or wouldn't need because we didn't know how long it was going to last. Mm. So it's been a steady growth increase, but now we're starting to see a huge trajectory, mm. realising actually technology really makes us, you know, a better workforce, remote working, all that kind of stuff. Um, so so those those are the main challenges, I think, uh, and people ongoing. And one of the challenges was, of course, we grew out of our office. Yeah. <laughs> so we had to move to a lovely new office where now we have an arcade machine and... Uh, table football table should be on the way I shall be having words back back at the ranch on that one <laughs> <laughs> um so that's been that's been exciting um and you know we've had some fantastic wins we've won some great awards um all right I won a couple of women in Channel. I was wondering how modest you would be with the I know, awards I know I know maybe I should maybe I should blame my own trumpet but yes I did I won a role model of the year award which is good actually because if I can do it then anyone can do it right and woman of the year yeah, because they're, you know, from a from an investment point of view, there aren't many women that get investment. Female founded run companies get investments uh, from private equity or VC. So, um, I was happy to wave that flag. I hate taking the accolade. I'd much rather everyone else do it. But it was a really good thing for all of the guys uh, in the team, um, just to see that you know they can do the same. And yeah. actually, it's funny because um, there's a young girl in our operations team um, who's brilliant, and uh, and she said. Yeah, well, you know, I saw your background was like this and mine is, so I can do what you've done. I said, yes, you can. <laughs> so I love that. Mm. Um, so, um, so yeah, but we've, we've won an award recently for Logarithm as um, EMEA um, Distributor of the Year, which is fantastic. Yeah. Um, you know, it isn't just about the awards. It's about the accolades we have within the team. Um, we've got some great successes internally. And the shout-outs that they do with everybody on a Friday is... Oh, I, I, that's my favourite time of the week is reading those shout outs on a Friday afternoon. They probably don't even realise I do it, but I do it. And um, They do now. They do now. Okay, if they're listening. Um, <laughs> they should be working, by the way. Get on to work. And it's such a nice time because the, we just want to encourage everybody to support one another in it. You know, it's not rocket science, but it's not easy sometimes, right? We all have really bad days. We get people not wanting to talk to us. You know, we are deal falls through the net, all that kind of stuff. So... Um, so all of those things are, are, are real are real successes. You know, we're bonding as a, as a, mm. as a solid foundation mm. team. You know, we've had some. I've, I've I've brought in some fantastic senior leaders. We've got Thomas, who's our um, our regional um, sales director in the Benelux. who's brilliant. Who's growing a team now. There's four of them over there. Um, we've got Lance Williams, who's come in as, as our chief product officer. And you know, I've known Lance for years and always knew I was very close to and very akin with him. But honestly, he's just taking this vision and running with it. He's absolutely brilliant. So he's helping develop our vendor story. We've got Andy, who's is our CRO, who, uh, oh, sorry, CFO. God, he'll kick me for that. CFO, who is m- brilliant. He's like Rain Man with the figures. He's unbelievable. <laughs> Throw anything at him, he's like, they yeah, no problem um so and and you know we've got a head of people who's, who's brilliant there's so many good people now coming in and helping 
me create this vision mm. it doesn't feel like it's all hanging off me mm. so and and so the exciting bit is where can we go from this because we're still just building out that foundation we've got possible acquisitions on the table um to really bolster that foundation and grow um, and we don't want to be just seen as a value-added distributor it's a very well used term but it's not something that we would associate with against our peers because we are different right and we are more more of an aggregator mm. on technology across specialization specialisms um so yeah so so there's so much exciting stuff to come lots and lots of yes. exciting things uh, and i can attest to your new offices being very lovely so i'm sure the team loved those yes as well as i guess then the successes and challenges that you've seen in the business what have been your challenges and biggest successes over the last 12 months from a personal perspective um i think my challenges are or my main challenge is letting go so it's a really big one, right? So I, and, and you know, if, if any of those people are listening to this, they'll be like, we need to shut her off in meetings, seriously. Because <laughs> it's too easy for me to jump in and go, I'll fix it, I'll make it better. Mm. Whereas what I should say is nothing and let my, you know, key people do that. And I'll get better, promise, I'll get better. But that's a real challenge for me because when you're really passionate, yeah. you want to be everywhere, making sure everyone's okay, but you can't be. So how do you scale that? And that's through the people. And because these people are now on board and fantastic, I, it's not that I don't trust that they'll do a good job. It's just that I feel I will still want to be as infectious mm. with what dystology is all about. Mm. And that's the biggest challenge that I have. Mm. Yeah. And success, I suppose every week feels like a success to me because, you know, even though there might be 500 things that might go wrong, there'll be a million things that go right. And... It's that congratulation point and that on a Friday where I think, oh, my God, this is amazing. I love this. Mm. That's a success. Mm. You know, every day. I mean, getting out of bed is a success, quite frankly, in the morning some days. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but, but it, those are the biggest successes for me. When I look at how passionate these people are about the vision that we're creating and they're creating, mm. that's success. Mm. You know, the awards are great. The accolades are great. But the real goosebump moments are when they are waxing lyrical and getting so excited, just as you do. And I want to stand in the office and for nobody to see me to just listen, because mm. that's brilliant. Yeah. And I think, I think uh, you should be in no doubt that you are, will continue to be infectious in the most positive way in dystology. It's tangible when you go to the office, so I wouldn't worry about that. But I do know that culture, people, diversity and inclusion, the things we've spoken about previously on um, the dystology podcast, things that we've, we've spoken about previously just when we've been chatting... I know they're really important to you mm-hmm. and I know you you as an individual but also as a firm do quite a lot in that space. So I would just love us for, for if you could talk us through what do you do to build that culture and build inclusivity into your business but also into your industry? Mm. Um, it's really hard to do the right thing, isn't it, these days? Because um, you're kind of damned if you do and you're damned if you, you don't. There's, there's quotas that some big companies have for female headcount, minority headcount. Um, we don't do that. Um, what we don't do in the business is have any... We, we try and um, write our job descriptions, have a culture where we don't really care where you come from, what you do. We're respectful of it, but it doesn't impact the value that you can bring to the organisation. So, um, you know, we try and become very open-minded. In fact, we have, we have various different... 
uh, we have wellness committee we have a, a committee called robert's rebellion not my not my decision on this by the <laughs> way lucy this was somebody in the business who thought it was hilarious it's caught on like, there hasn't it right it has totally caught on and they they create different well-being events um and um and so we're, we're looking after the welfare of, of our of our guys and i know there's loads of discussions on being woke and this that and the other and i think you've just got to have that right balance of mm. people do have mental health problems mm. and people do have issues on a daily weekly basis and um, you've just got to allow a safe space for those people and have the right channels to go to and sometimes we we, we don't get that right or haven't got that right but we're, we're working on getting that better you know and making sure that we can encourage good communication so that's important um and so you know everybody kind of supports one another there so we're trying really hard to be non-discriminatory i'm obviously a massive advocate for women in business and women in the channel generally yeah um you know i i'm a judge on women in channel for crn i'm actually a judge for the regular crn awards this year um i get involved with uh, various different um movements to a point but but sort of more um more networking groups um along the lines of 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 dni rather than just simply women mm-hmm. uh, because i think the women um, drum is 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 banging really nicely and i think we can all be good role models for that but i do think we can't just be one part of the diversity piece there is so many other real minority groups that need some form of voice and open-mindedness here so we've got to try and do more to, to, to encourage that um and i also work with um i, I helped a, a, a friend of mine yvonne uh, Matsk, who was ex-CDW um, and Kelway, set up the channel community. So, and this is a community where we're trying to put, we're trying to create, a, again, a safe space for people to network, yeah. ask advice, share ideas, not feel like you're asking stupid questions, because I actually have a monopoly on that. I think I'll get an award for that soon. <laughs> um, and um, and so we can provide them with, mentor, provide Cha- um, mentees with a mentor and vice versa we call them channel buddies rather than mentor because mentor sounds a bit like oh I know what I'm doing I am the king or queen of my world it's more about that guidance mm. outside of your organisation mm. so we want to make sure that that people are sharing those ideas because what's happened and I know we talk about the, the great resignation at the moment all that's been happening there which we've struggled, suffered with as well by the way with lots of um, big cash salaries being dangled in front of people for you know Anyway, uh, very one-dimensional reasons, but um, but you know we we really struggle with getting talent into the industry generally mm. um, because people see technology as this. Oh, you have to have a STEM background, mm. or you have to be you know really good at, at tech generally, or had the experience, or know what you're talking about. That's absolute shit. You you totally don't. In fact, I, there, there was a stat, and I can't cite where it's from, So, but it, it's more than 60%, and I'd probably argue it's more, of people who work in technology are not from a STEM background. Mm. And so what are we doing to attract those people? Because mm. those are the creative minds mm. that are really in, you know, we are dearth of those creative minds, right? So, and, and I'm actually doing a TEDx talk um, in April on why you don't have to be tech to work in tech. Mm. And and the key component of that is that there are too many barriers to the entry in, in bringing these people mm. in. You know, you, you basically write yourself off mm. to come into the technology arena. Mm. So how can we make a difference? So it is kind of um, appealing to everybody in the tech industry, open your minds, mm. don't be lazy hiring, and yeah. start looking at core competencies and training people up. Mm. And I know that it's always a gamble that you'll lose these people, but you'll bring into the the, the market some real talent mm. there. Um, and I think you know you can only do well by having that great reputation of growing and nurturing talent. So, 
Um, so I think we've got some challenges there. But um, but yeah, I think that uh, you know it it's going to be it's going to be really tough. And and I think D and I will always be at front of mind for me. Yeah. But it's really hard to have hard nosed policy like a quota. Yes. That actually is a reverse discrimination. Yeah. I think you know the and we we've spoken about this before but actually it's about it's about action rather mm. than policy and words i think there's a space for that to make sure that there's structure and there are frameworks yes. to support people and i totally. think you know we can't lose the importance of that but the thing that i love about seeing you do what you do and dystology do what they do is it's action it's mm. you live by the words that you say and i mm. think that that is you know it, it feels really tangible in the business and I think it's so interesting from a technology perspective. It's similar in a in the private equity world. Actually, you you need to remember that in a business, there's lots of different jobs. There are sales jobs in a technology business. And we don't there even are know finance jobs. What jobs are going to be out there in the future? Exactly, exactly. But I think you're right. Making sure that people people's eyes are opened mm. to the fact that actually, not everybody that works in a technology business is a coder with a STEM background. Mm. You need brilliant salespeople. You need brilliant marketing people. Mm. You need brilliant finance mm. people to make your business better. Of course. Of and course. I think that's, you know, really exciting, but actually comes with lots of challenge because, like you say, it's just mm. not front of mind for well, everybody. you think about, I mean, you know, technology is a new industrial revolution, right? You think about, though, many, many years ago where, you know, we used to compartmentalise you know, science and technology and engineering away from the arts. Mm. But then you look at things like the Eiffel Tower, Westminster Abbey. Mm. Is that technology or STEM or the arts? Yeah. Yeah. McLaren, Porsche, Mercedes. You know, is that that technology and engineering or is it the arts? Mm. And I'd argue that always they've coexisted. Yeah. So why would you discriminate about just the tech? Because I would imagine, and I'm going to go out there and say this, if a pure technical engineering mentality created a car, it would be boring. There you go. It would not be a sexy boring. car, maybe. Be a sexy car, yeah. It'd be boring. And I think that is that is true diversity, isn't it? Actually, everybody recognising that people from different backgrounds, yeah. the sum of the parts is more powerful yeah, totally. than the individual elements. Totally. And I think if if that's what people start to realise, cultivate, bring into their businesses, it's why the statistics are there that they perform better. Because you have more heads are better than one and more people looking at things through different lenses. incremental changes. You know, a forest doesn't grow overnight, right? You know, you you have to have some degree of of small growths that create this bigger growth. And over the time, it, you know, it, it, it embellishes the bigger picture. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. So... It's, there are so many, so many analogies you can use for this, mm. but you know, you've got to start making changes. Don't think, well, what am I going to do? It's not going to make a difference. Yeah. You know, just do it. And yeah. that's the thing, you know, too many people say the right thing and never do anything. Yeah. And, you know, I'm, unfortunately we're too small. I can't hide. If I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. You've never hidden in your life. Not really a chance. I am small though. I could hide. <laughs> so, um, I, I and I think, you know, the messages in that are, are really important. And we've talked a little bit there about misconceptions. I'd like to carry on talking about misconceptions, but actually from a private equity perspective, because mm. in a very similar way to technology, actually the industry, the private equity industry can be perceived in a certain way. 100%. So you now, with an, as an experienced uh, private equity chief exec, I'd be really interested in getting your take from your perspective and your experience yeah. of what do you think the biggest misconceptions about private equity are? This is a brilliant topic because actually the way I see 
the way I started to learn about private equity is obviously going through this process with with yourselves uh, and using a, an advisor. And I thought that private equity would come along, take away everything I've done and say, move aside now, Missy, we're going to take over now. Hit the numbers or you're out. Um, I'd heard horror stories. I spoke to a two or three CEOs, actually, who uh, had they experienced private equity? Maybe one had, and a couple of others hadn't, and they told me horrific horror stories. We lost this, they they came crashing down on us, we couldn't do this, never go that way, go to the bank, get some money from a bank. Um, and it's, it wasn't about the money that I needed, it was the advice and the feeling of, of co-ownership, the feeling of, um, of actually taking the risks, right, the calculated risks. So at first I was frightened, I was really frightened that, you know, it was always about, all about the numbers, never about the people, right? And very similar to the way that we select different vendors to work with us, it's more about the people than the technology. I was pleasantly surprised to find that actually in the space where we operated, there's a lot of private equity businesses who are far more um, aligned to the people, the individuals, and just wanted to help them grow. So buy to build, not, you know, strip out all of the good stuff and just, you know, get rid of it just for a quick buck. Um so, and I think that myth is still there. By the way, I think still private equity has got a really bad reputation. I, um, I still think from a female point of view, private equity and VC has still got a, a, a bad reputation. Um, I'm doing my best to try and counteract that. Thank you. It is by far the best thing I've ever done. Um, and granted, we're a growth business, all the rest of it, but we don't get everything right all the time. You know, we, I still feel like, oh, that's not right. Oh, that's not. But it's absolutely fine. We've got, I've got a partner in the business who I totally trust they've got all the right um, support mechanisms in place for me. But at the same time, I can also, I don't have to, you know, always talk about the glossy stuff. You know, there's some tough decisions we have to make. So um, I think that those people, if anybody's listening that do, that does want to look at private equity and do want to get an investment vehicle, just do it mm. and talk to people mm. because it's the human element in everything that we do still that will mean that we can actually grow and develop. Mm. And unfortunately, technology is a little bit of a dichotomy sometimes. You think that technology will outperform a human interaction, but it's not so much. I think we're always going to have that hardwired connection as humans. So go and speak to people. Go and ask questions. Stupid as possible. Trust me, you'll never be as stupid as the ones I asked. <laughs> what does PE mean? Didn't ask that, by the way. That imagine if I did. Um, but um, but but no, go and do that because it's really really important that you find the right vehicle for growth, um, and it's been by far the best thing. Good. We're glad to hear that. I guess a couple more questions just on that theme. So, firstly, uh, what value would you say private equity backing has brought to Distology to mm. you and your business, and also? I know you spoke. You've spoken to quite a lot of P houses, VC, mm. etc. What would you say? What would you say North Edge are doing differently? Why North Edge? Uh, well, why North Edge is. Uh, I think you bought me some chocolates, and that was it. <laughs> done deal. <laughs> um, I think. Do you know what it was? It was the fact that you got what we did. It wasn't easy to explain what Distology were trying to do. Um, you know, and. The biggest difference that it's made, I mean, the, the last year, and we're, we're literally just about a year, aren't we, we into are. our relationship, which is fantastic. Um, it doesn't feel like a year. It feels a lot shorter, by the way. It's bizarre. I'm glad you didn't say a lot longer. No, it doesn't. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It's bizarre. Um, but um, 
in that year, oh, wow, the, the, uh, we've changed immensely. I've taken the risks I wanted to take, and they're all calculated. But my head's been flipped into more of a, a strategic business owner head rather than just a hand-to-mouth, can I afford to do this? Mm. You know, the risk is shared, it's calculated, it, it's got, I've got more brains on it than I, than, than I care to, other than just one other person, I've got many brains on it that can actually help me develop the business. And I think where North Edge is, is different is you get, you got, and you get what we do. You get the vision. You, you know, when we sat down, you and I, Lucy, to go through the value creation plan, I thought, oh, it's going to take ages to explain how the hell, and it, not, not because I didn't, I didn't disrespect your knowledge. It was more about, you know, having to build a plan based on, you know, starting from scratch, not knowing anything about the business. And it was brilliant. And I came away again, I'm fired up because you get it. And then you're thrown ideas. I mean, I think one of the, one of the great examples of this specifically was the vendor manager role that we needed. Yeah. Because I said, I'm paranoid. I need somebody to manage this. And you, I think you turned around and said, well, why don't we build in a vendor, uh, this kind of manager role across, why don't we call it like a success, like vendor success, this kind of, right? yeah, that's it. And that role... I'm not kidding. It is brilliant that the, the, the girl is in it. It's fantastic. But that role is immensely uh, changed our business. Mm. It's a huge value add. Mm. And it was born out of my frustration with, I can't be everywhere across mm. every department to service the vendor. I need somebody in there to do that. But creating a role in a team, actually, now, we've got another person in that team now, um, to grow that is, is, is incredible. And that wouldn't have come from just another head it came from your experience and the collective experience of north edge mm. and the fact that you get what we do mm. and and also it was an easy conversation there was no there was no egos or uh you know it it, it was totally warm i remember the conversation i had with grant and by the way we did all of our deal didn't we across um zoom mm. yeah it was we never met which was bizarre um and when i met on Zoom, uh, Grant, um, I was like, right, he's going to grill me on loads of questions, I don't want to know about my business, and, and I just went, oh, having a nice chat. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then I just came out, oh, and then I want to do this, and I was like, this is brilliant, this is brilliant. And that's what I wanted somebody to, to validate my excitement and get yeah. on board my, my kind of crazy train of where we're going to go with histology, and North Edge totally did, and that's, it's, it is a DNA match, really, on that score, so, yeah. Everybody hear that. If you're thinking about private equity, go for it. Cool. Thank you so much for that. I think we've uh, cleared up lots of misconceptions. We do this on our podcast, don't we? It's like yeah. therapy. Oh, yeah. I love it's it. It's totally therapy, yeah. Um, we are coming into the final bit now. Quick fire questions. Oh, I hate these. <laughs> Not very good on my, on my feet. <laughs> Quite stand up. Go on. First one. Who has inspired you the most throughout your career? Oh, I really hate this question because actually somebody said, which tech figurehead do you admire most? And I had to Google it <laughs> because there's not one tech figurehead that I mind. But who's inspired me? Do you know what inspires me is the energy and the commitment of the people around me. Mm. Um, I get inspired by them on a daily basis. I don't have one particular person that, that inspires me or a group of people. I just think anybody who's taken a risk, anybody who's taken chances, anybody who finds the positive in things, anybody who just just loves life and loves doing the good stuff they inspire me yeah I think that's an excellent answer I love that um, best book you've ever read ooh um I haven't read Fifty Shades of Grey that would have been funny though <laughs> um I'm far more intellectual naturally. <laughs> naturally. Um, actually, I really love I love business books they're great I, I tend to have about five on the go and I'm sort of about 
three quarters of the way in and I never really finished them. Um, but the one um, lady who I love reading and I love listening to her podcast is a lady called Brene Brown. And I've told you about this a million times, but Brene Brown is, um, she's a professor of, um, she studies shame and vulnerability. And that bit about authenticity, to link that back, um, that's where it's come from, really, to mm. suddenly go, oh, yeah, it isn't, it isn't just me. And in fact, her, one of her books is called Is It Just Me? Mm. Um, and she's got some great books, great podcasts out there. Um, Daring, Dare to Lead is one, yeah. is a great book. Um, and a great podcast. And a great podcast. And she's done some fantastic Unlocking Us podcasts with some brilliant guests. Um, so I'd wholeheartedly recommend her. Because I think when you read her, you apply some of the what she's saying to business naturally anyway. Mm. And I think that's the, that's the key. To not necessarily read a business book about the subject that you're feeling vulnerable about, but actually find something that talks about the core reasons why you're feeling like that. Mm. And then you can address it yourself. Mm. And I think the thing that Brene does amazingly is... They are life lessons. Oh, God, yeah. It is about life and business and Not, all None of, of us know what this is all about, do no. we? We all just have to ask the right questions and make sure we do the best at every juncture and just be honest. There's two things, two things that I will say to the team, two things that I'll live by is attitude and transparency. If your attitude is right and your energy levels are high, you're going to succeed. And as long as you're transparent, you're not trying to kid anyone because don't kid a kidder, um, you know, you'll, you'll win the day. It feels like that is the answer to the next question. I'm okay, going to answer good. it anyway. Or can I just skip the question? Anyway, maybe. Um, <laughs> what is the best piece of advice that you have ever received? Oh, um, oh that doesn't spring to mind easily because people are telling me what to do all the time. And I just don't listen. <laughs> um, best piece of advice. I think it was when I went to a high growth, um, a high growth uh, business workshop um, through Mammet University, actually. Um, and it was in the early stages. I was probably about two years into dystology. And it, they were talking about working on the business, not in the business. And I thought, what the hell is all that about? I've got to be there showing myself and seeing and working. And I think you suddenly get to a point when the business is doing what it should and there's some degree of, of regular pattern of activity that you do need to start thinking about where's next because... You know, if you if you keep looking at your feet, you're never going to know where you're walking to. Mm. But if you're looking at the horizon, you can at least see where you can aim for. You know, the path can be mapped out then from that point. So I think that was really important for me to recognise. Um, and I suddenly didn't feel quite so fraudulent. That whole imposter syndrome creeps in, as we all have. And um, because we're all supposed to know what we're doing because we're successful business people <laughs> and we don't. <laughs> um, and I think that was it was a bit of a, oh, this is good. I can do this. Mm. I don't think I, I don't think there's anything that they're going to find out that's negative. I actually think I need to encourage more of the my vulnerabilities to show mm. in order to get the best out of my business and, and out of me. And I think that was probably a, a bit of a, a switch, mm. a change in my in my head. So that was probably the best bit of advice at the time. Nice. I've been given others like don't part so close to the curb because you'll scuff your allies and that sort of thing. I mean, that's also very good advice. Words to live by. I feel so. Words that, to yeah, live so by. much. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for joining us. I'm sure we will have you back. There's many conversations that we can uh, we can have, I am sure. But thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much. If you'd like to listen to more insightful stories from the North Edge Network, you can search and subscribe to Beyond the Capital on any of your usual podcast platforms. 